you know, we always want to do more. I always compare it to uh, like a basket of cats. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and um, this is actually, I say special a lot. This is a special, this is really special because um, I'm talking to Sarah Lowe, and Sarah is, uh, I'm getting the cat, let the cat out of the bag. Sarah, you are the coach of the winning junior four in our Erd Mania Challenge Cup. Yes. What? Yes. And I, yes. And I get a chance to talk to you. I'm, I got chills. Sarah, I got chills. I get to talk to you about. <laughs> your time um, coaching these young women to a national championship. So today we'll be yeah. pushing out a video that uh, announces your winning four and you won the U.S. Rowing Straight Four National Championship of 2020. And it's all hey, part of her we'll take so it. That's awesome. Take it. Uh, it's a big deal. And you have some, you have some really great athletes that I want to learn a little bit about um, sure. today yeah. on, our, our, on our podcast. But today, just like any other one, Sarah, we're going to talk about your past of rowing. When you took your first stroke, how you've gotten to become the program director in Atlanta, right? And then we're yep. going to learn a little bit about your coaching style. And a topic that I really enjoy discussing is female leadership roles in the sport of rowing. We all know it's primarily a male-driven, dominating sport. I just want to know how you've gotten where you are, uh, any challenges along the way and where you see yourself in say five or 10 years. Cause it's obvious crew is part of your life. It's going to be forever. Yeah. Um, so, so let's, let's start Sarah with, um, and you got to get the excitement. excitement has I to know I got to like get over that. <laughs> it's like, awesome. you won a national championship. I had no yeah. idea. Like I really definitely felt like the underdogs going in Chicago's fast. So Chicago, they're stupid fast, but I mean, Wallen, like for real. So. Wallen, Wallen has, well, yeah. So we told <laughs> Wallen at 1 a.m. last night, and and I don't think he went to bed because he was pretty upset. <laughs> I mean, he was he was determined he was going to win. But the 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 distance, uh, 2,000 meters, four athletes, uh, averaged out. You won by one second, like one time. Second. It is a you know just like any other person watching that race. That's a bow ball. I mean, how yeah. exciting is that kind of finish? So all right, let's get into the, let's get into your history. All right, I want to know. Sure. When did you take your first stroke? How old were you? Where were you? And tell me your rowing career. Sure. So uh, I actually did a learn to row camp at my high school, T.C. Williams in Alexandria, Virginia. Sure. Um, so that was the summer before my eighth grade year. And, uh, and what I year was that? What year was that? 1999. We're the same age. Uh, so All right. I've been rowing since the 90s. Yeah, College. I like it. Sweet. <laughs> So I basically decided I hated it and uh, went out and played field hockey that fall and uh, made the team in at TC. We could play JV sports in eighth grade. So I was on the JV field hockey team during that season, decided I hated that and started rowing in the spring. So like every time I was in one of my high school seasons, I wanted to be playing my other sport for sure. Um, and I played field hockey and rowed all the way through high school. So rowed for like all the awesome TC coaches that were around back in the early 2000s. So we, um, we competed against each other, right? So in yeah. that time, we were, I was at mainland, so I'm a mainland mm -hmm. guy up in South Jersey. TC Williams was a big competitor of ours, Yeah. especially on the women's side. There's a lot of fast teams. Um, and I don't know too many athletes when I was there in high school that did dual sports. So 
I mean, you're, you're talking, you did field hockey in the fall, right? Yep. Fall sport and then winter in a rowing. So you're a rear, year round athlete. What were, what did the field hockey players or the, or the, or the uh, rowers, like, was there any sort of combativeness to you? Were, were you like a middle person? No, honestly, like most of us played more than one sport. Um, we didn't like back then fall rowing wasn't super big at my high school. And then none of us on the hockey team knew about club hockey at all. So we didn't know there was like another world outside of high school sports. So yeah. it wasn't that like abnormal for people to play a lot of different sports. Like one of my best friends, like one of my field hockey co-captains, she lettered 12 times just oh. like by rotating through sports. She, I that's, mean, she's a great athlete. So three yeah. sports a year. I mean, that's insane. Yep. That's right. Holy cow. Okay. So, right. yeah, it was definitely, I mean, our rowing team at TC was, pretty large it was about 200 kids back then but just everybody played lots of different sports um tc williams is i mean they are always consistently fast i mean they, yeah. they, they are a program that still has a lot of speed do you still do you do any kind of support for them do you donate money time energy to them do you still follow them at all or is that i still follow them i um this is actually like a little bit embarrassing but i'm gonna go ahead and say it there was a year at IDR up in Philly where I was there with Atlanta and I saw on TC's Instagram that they had a double there racing. So I like somehow I'm like 30 found these girls in the parking lot and was like, Oh my God, TC, like, this is amazing. And they honestly were like, please walk away from me. So I'm like You're such a fan, woman. right? I think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. And there, you know, there are a couple of coaches now in the college ranks that come from TC and I've always followed them coming up. And um, it's just, you know, not a lot of people make it from high school to college to stay in the sport. So yeah, no, when right. you see other people from your high school, it's awesome. That's that, that, you know, I can, I can picture myself being there watching you talk to these 16 year old kids, 17 year old yeah. kids, and then just thinking you're a nutcase, like total nut. You're a nutcase. Total nut. Right. Yeah, thirty-year-old woman, get out of here, weirdo! And like, I was like, "You have no idea. This is awesome." So yeah. <laughs> All right. So so tell me tell me what happens in college. Like, what do you what do you decide yeah. to do? Where do you go? So I got recruited and uh, rode at North Carolina Chapel Hill. Um, were there for all four years. I ended up having like a season-ending or a career-ending surgery uh, my senior fall. So I started coaching my senior spring with the novices. What can you talk about that? That, that, yeah, surgery? I had compartment syndrome. Um, it's like that is. it's not uncommon in rowing, but it's not super common either. It's um, like basically like there's too much pressure, and mine was in my calves, so the okay. uh, like blood supply and nerve supply is cut off during exercise. Oof. Oh, god, that had to be so painful. they go in. Uh, it's not that painful, it just your feet go numb while you're rowing, and wow. you can't really feel anything so. Uh, so yeah, so I had that surgery. So senior year um, at Chapel Hill, like a, a very strong program, you just say, I'm going to coach. I want to help you. So you, as a, as an athlete who's, you've been an athlete, athlete your whole life, you yep. were rowing at that point for seven, eight years. Like you're, you're kind of better than most coaches at that point, right? I mean, not a lot of coaches have that much rowing Well, I had experience. a lot of time in the launch while I was injured. So I had like okay. the time sitting in the boat and then I had sat in the launch for six months and Jeez. had just a different perspective on it too. So I think that was pretty helpful. And then, okay, so what was your degree in at Chapel Hill? 
Uh, it's exercise sports science, sport administration, and then mathematical decision sciences. Mathematical decision sciences. So you're you're sort of you're kind of already getting your degree in in something very fitting to being a coach today, right? Like exercise yeah, science, yeah, sports mathematics. So okay, so you you finish your senior year as a coach, as a as a assistant yep. health health coach. What happened? Now this is 2008. What yep. happens next? Uh, well, I decided that I so I'm from Virginia. Went to school in North Carolina. I decided I wanted to get as far away as possible. So I was moving to Seattle. Um, and basically my mom was like, okay, if you're moving to Seattle, you either have to get a job or go to school. So I got into grad school at University of Washington because that's easier than getting a job at that point in 2008. That's true. Um, and I went to their uh, intercollegiate athletic leadership master's program. So I did that from 2008 to 2009 and did that grad school year and then as a part of the program, they have you intern in athletic departments. So my internship was at the University of Washington and they're like life skills and compliance and finance and a lot of different departments. Uh, that's incredibly specific. Like that <laughs> is a very specific future. Yeah. And just like any other millennial type person in that time, I mean, you had to really struggle to find a career and a job. I mean, you had to be... Yeah. Everyone, awful. everyone our age had to be very uh, resourceful. I would say right. the right word is like you have to be resourceful. Um, I can't imagine how much knowledge you picked up though at U of Washington in that time because like the rowing program was incredibly fast and strong. Yep. Only going awesome. to get better, right? So gosh, yeah. I mean, wow, like what a cool thing. So how long yeah. were you in Seattle for? I was in Seattle till 2011, so three years. And in those three year, those two years after graduating, what were you doing in that time? So all three years there, I coached at Sammamish Rowing Association, sure. yeah. kind of across the lake. Um, and I started coaching girls. I was the junior girls assistant. And then I picked up coaching masters also. What, how have you uh, found the, the differences between masters and junior coaching? So many differences. Um, I always say I was pretty fortunate at Sammamish because I had a pretty small team. Like at my, I had a mid-morning team and it was a group of about 14 women who wanted to go really fast and they were the competitive group. So we, you know, placed top five at head of the Charles and placed top three at San Diego and just like went everywhere. And we would go to Northwest regionals and every athlete would walk out the first day with a medal. So it was just like a really exciting group of masters from ages, you know, 35 to 80. And they just wanted to work hard. So it was a lot of fun. It was, I, I always compare it to uh, like a basket of cats and like, because the juniors, they most of the time they listen to you. The yeah. masters, they just like run off, and you're like, I can't stop you because you're an adult. But <laughs> you got to do something. I, you know, you're so right because I guess they're the masters are are sort of paying you to be their coach, their mentor. But as soon as that air that that hour's done or two hours, like see ya. Like yeah. they're they have their own careers, their own lives, their own profession. I love that. That's, yeah, the cats now. So in 2011, 12, mm -hmm. economy's kicking back up again. You're starting to, you're starting to grow in your coaching experience and career, right? Like you're developing a lot. Yeah. Um, where, where do you go? Where, where, so that's actually, uh, I moved to Atlanta in 2011 and I decided I wanted nothing to do with coaching and just was out of the sport, was going to find a real job, you know, uh, do something different and basically like couldn't land anything. Uh, interviewed a bunch of places and couldn't get anything. 
So I was a nanny for a couple months. And then I started coaching a school team here called Westminster Schools down in the city. What, uh, what was the deciding sort of factor in your life that said, I can't do coaching anymore? So like in that I think, time, what I think we all know it really takes over your life. Uh, it's, it's like you got to go long. all in, like heart and soul. Um, and I don't think I was ready for that. So I wanted to do something different where you could leave it at the end of the day. Um, and I'm really glad that didn't work out, but, uh, that, you know, that's, that's what I was looking for then. Interesting. It's, it's funny. You make a comment. You say you wish you could leave at the end of the day. Um, man, that, that brought in a number of emotions in me that I, yeah. I'm like trying to visualize and try to, it's like contextualize. Like you're right. It never leaves you from, right. you could be texting or emailing or talking to your coaches at 11 o'clock at night. And then at five or six in the morning, you, you're, you're waking up to messages or you're waking up to ideas that you have to, you have to implement to your team. Right. Um, and, and you're right. It takes over. So you did this nanny gig for a little bit. Yeah. Spencer coaching. Yeah. So, so what, so what was the next inevitable phase in your life, Sarah? Like what happens yeah. next? So we were pretty successful that year at Westminster, uh, one Southeast regionals. And then I got an offer and came over to Atlanta junior with the novice women. So that was in 2012. Um, and then kind of year by year, I picked up some of the administrative work and picked up some extra tasks. So I think my first title was like office manager or something. We didn't really have one before that, but uh, we built the role for, for what I was doing. And then um, in 2016, moved to the executive director role. And then as when that happens, because I have, a, I, I'm, Okay, I have a bunch of questions. Let me just okay. collect my thoughts here, Sarah. Um, I'm like, I got a lot of things to ask you. Since you are the winning coach of our first ever junior national champion, national, you're national champions. I, I, you can't take that away from anybody, right? You won That's it. Awesome. You did. I know. Um, it's, uh, yeah, just incredible. So, um, has when you came in in 2012, was Atlanta winning races? Were they a very successful program? They, they weren't unsuccessful. Um, I think it's no secret that back then the Southeast was pretty slow. So uh, I definitely feel like the standard was different. Um, they weren't winning a ton of stuff, but they would medal pretty regularly and, you know, take the boat to nationals of, of some sort, whether it's a women's pair or, you know, a men's light eight or whatever. Um, so it was, it was okay, but it wasn't what it is now. Um, what is it now? Had, so like what, aside from winning the straight four championship, like what, yeah. what kind of success have you had with the junior women and men in the last? Yeah. Eight, so in eight, those eight years, we've more than doubled the team. So we have about 230 middle school and high school kids um, between all of our programs. Wow. So that is a lot of kids for sure. It's awesome. How about and masters? They, How many masters do you have in that? Because you're the masters. Masters. No yeah, masters. We don't have, no masters. So Atlanta Rowing Club has masters. Atlanta yeah. Juniors is just middle school and high school. You're the executive director of what? Atlanta Juniors or Atlanta Juniors. Yeah. Okay, not the club, not the whole. So they're separate. We're completely separate. Separate. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've doubled. You've more than doubled the team. Two hundred thirty yeah. athletes. And then we take. I mean, we. I would say are are pretty fast in the southeast um, at at the regional level and are representing on the national level more and more often have had a couple boats in the top 10. Um, and you know, it's always our goal to, 
to finish first in the Southeast at, at Southeast Regionals. There's this other really fast team in Florida. Not sure if you're aware, Sarasota. Oh, I've done, yeah, done that a couple years. So we've finished <laughs> second right behind them five years in a row. Second behind them for five years. Does that just get under your skin? Does that just a little bit, a yeah. little bit. I mean, I respect what they're doing. You know, it's awesome. How can you not? Uh, How can you right. not respect that? Right, right. but. So, so what, uh, Sarah, uh, the, before I get into um, the development of your career as a woman in leadership, sure. I'm, I'm, I, there's a theme, right? You know, like you took 14 women in Sammamish and you're getting top five at every regatta you guys own. You go to Westminster and you win Southeast Regionals. You go to Atlanta and you start doubling the team, placing top five, you know, top two in Southeast and top 10 nationally. What's your secret? Like what, what, what are you doing that nobody else seems to know what they're doing? I mean, how do you train your athletes? Give me like, give me the, give me the two minute elevator speech on, on how you've gotten to find success here like this. I mean, I think it's just being willing to beg, borrow and steal, you know, I like, like I don't know everything. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people are a lot smarter than I am and know things. So I'm more than willing to send my video out and ask for feedback. Um, I always am asking about rigging numbers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay. Stop right there. I gotta, I gotta interrupt you. I told you I'm gonna interrupt you all day, right? Who yeah. are you asking for advice? Uh, who are you going to for your direction and leadership support? Sure. So I guess my, uh, like team leadership and, and kind of the emotional value of the team, uh, Stephen Arthur Wong, Stephen Fraser Wong, he's the head coach at Clemson now. He was mm -hmm. a novice coach at Carolina when I was the undergrad coach. And he was yep. the first person that was like, here's how you drive a launch. And um, he was a really, I mean, kind of fast forwarding into the women in leadership. He was the first person that was like, hey, like your opinion means something. What do you think you see in this boat? Let's try it and, and let it happen, you know, and made it, even though I was 22 and in college and had no experience he was like yeah your your ideas have value let's go let's see what happens that's so, so empowering like that is yeah. such a strong i can't you know at that time you probably didn't feel it or sense oh, it absolutely but now not. looking back yeah. like you know 12 years ago 10 years ago whatever it was you're like geez like that it's a big deal right, right. Love yeah that. yeah and just for him i don't know that he knew he was unlocking that but just to open that door was awesome Awesome. So anybody else that you look to for advice and help? Everyone. Um, <laughs> lots of people in the Southeast, for sure, like Casey at Sarasota um, and other other people kind of around the region, Kirsten at Oars. Um, then, you know, just kind of people I've picked up along the way. There are a couple of coaches in Seattle I reached out to, a couple of coaches in college, just all over the books. You stay within your, your realm of, of folks that you look up to or no, right? Like you keep to that. Uh, yeah, um, I, I do think that like expanding that is really valuable for sure. Um, it's hard to like put yourself out there and just ask for help, but it's always valuable. And the worst thing that you get is like, I'm not gonna help you. So it's great. And who cares about that? Like if someone yeah. says, sorry, I don't have the time. Well, right. there's hundreds of other people that could do the same, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before I get into the women leadership, I want to know, um, and you don't have to answer this question, but <laughs> where is your, where, what, what does 2025 look for you? Like what, what are the oh. next five years look like for you? Are you going to stay with, are you looking to just grow and build and create a bigger Atlanta or 
do you have the itch to go to the collegiate level? Do you have the itch to go to the national level? Like what's your, what's your focus? Yeah, uh, I am really excited about what we're doing in Atlanta. I think it's um, a place that's like ripe for growth for sure. I mean, we'll see what happens after this whole coronavirus situation, but it's a great metro area and really our river is the only rollable part in the city. So um, yeah, so seeing what we can do there is, is awesome. And I don't have any like big drive to leave uh, right now. And I, you know, after working at UW that one internship year, it was awesome, but I don't have any drive to go back to college athletics. I love the high school age for sure. What, what about that age that you love? Like, what is it about high school rowing that you love? You can see so much of their like development and so much of their, and sometimes it's not into college rowing. It's not into like a, a high achieving rower. It's into a human and it's into like their emotional growth to be ready to move on to whatever's next, whether that's college or work or gap years or whatever they're doing. Just seeing that growth and um, like providing a pathway for that is really exciting. I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question because it's, it's kind of an open-ended question, but how do you keep the growth going? Like, do you set a target and when you get to that target, you've done it? Do you keep pushing the carrot ahead? Like, how do you grow, keep growing an already strong, big program? Uh, we have targets for sure. We have targets that we want to hit. Um, and some of that is just like expanding rowing into our community. In, in Atlanta, it's still so much of a foreign sport. It's so much of a thing that people don't know what it is. Um, so anytime we can be in our community and be in our like local events, just teaching people how to erg and showing them that rowing is not something only in the Ivy League, that's awesome. And that's really exciting for us. And you're trying to do that uh, that's beautiful. I mean, that that actually aligns with our mission statement, Rowers Choice. And we're trying to, we're trying to open the barrier of entry to rowing. Like right. I, I don't. We're, so it's no secret. Finish line is located in the ghetto of West Baltimore, and yeah. I mean, I we see folks here that if they just dip their toe in the sport of rowing, their lives trajectory will change immediately. Yeah. Um. But they think it's a rich, white man Ivy League sport right yep. so is that a big part of your mission at atlanta like spending a lot of time developing the community? Um, it's definitely something that i feel pretty passionately about like we're in north fulton so we're a little bit north of the city up in the suburbs mm -hmm. so we have a pretty privileged area that we draw from um but it i i mean if everybody in our area knew what rowing was not that they're on the team not that they participate all the time but just that they had some touch point, some contact with the sport, that would be like my ultimate goal. Are you, um, are you tied to um, the junior national training or coaching or anything? Are you, are you yeah. tied to that circuit? Yeah, so I've been with the women's junior national team the last two years um, and this year as well, so three years. Uh, the first year I was with the dev camp up at Connecticut College and then last year with the selection camp. So with the girls that went to Tokyo. Uh, I mean, for coaches listening, how did you get involved with that? How did you do that? I was referred by a friend. Uh, so a, a coach, Eric Gerke, he's at GW now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, he and I were, had he was at Nashville and I was at Atlanta. So we had gotten to know each other through the Southeast yeah. and had some ride-alongs with each other and um, talked about rowing 24-7, you know, the usual. Just like everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he recommended me for, there was a position open with the dev camp. 
and he recommended me for it. And then I had a ride along with uh, Cass Cunningham and that went really well. And then here we are. Do you want to keep doing that? I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. No hundred yeah, percent. I mean that, yeah. so um, forgive, forgive me for not knowing this. Is that a, I don't know if you can tell me, this is a paid position or is that a volunteer position? Uh, it's like 10 months volunteer, two months paid. So oh, there's, nice. there's a small yeah. stipend for sure, but um, kind of all the stuff we do throughout the year with communication and ID camps and that kind of stuff, that's all volunteer. Has that, has that helped you grow Atlanta Juniors? I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's some connection, but I don't think so. I, not, I feel like they're indirect. still pretty separate. Yeah, I feel like more, it's made me aware of the opportunities that our athletes can pursue. I think that's been the benefit for sure. Um, I've started recently asking this question to some coaches. Um, what What are your thoughts of um, changing the distances of our races? I watch better... your like coaches yelling about that for sure. Yes. Yes. So yeah. so so changing the distance to benefit maybe the novice rowers so that they're not inundated with a two k that is challenging, or maybe adapting it to the higher levels. And what's your thoughts on yeah. that? I think. I mean, I think it's very easy for rowing to be stuck where, where we are and mm -hmm. everybody, like we just have such a sense of tradition, which is a great thing about the sport, but I think does hold us back. So I don't know what the like direction looks like to change the distance. Like the youth Olympic games two years ago in 2018 was like a 500 meter stake race where they went around a buoy and back. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think different events like that is, like more appealing to the mass market, more interesting. You don't need a 2000 meter straightaway. Do I think that's where like overall we should go? I don't know, but I think we need to be open to it as a community. I appreciate that. So this is a transition. Let's, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna transition now into a very important topic in my life. So sure. I'm gonna tell you a story. And, you, and if you've been listening to podcasts, you may have heard this one. Um, there was this young woman down in Florida who reached out to us about giving her some help or guidance in directing her career to row. Yeah. And just so happened, like she's out of her God and we interviewed her there. And uh, she emailed us first and then we talked to her. And, you know, the things that she said, she says, it's really challenging to get um, people of a certain style to give her um, the respect she's, she deserves or needs uh, in some cases to grow her career. Like she yeah. graduated college and said, I want to make this a career and has no idea how to direct herself to get there. So first question for you would be, what advice do you have for the 21 year old Sarah graduating from college or the young woman now looking for a career who wants to have your position in the future? Like what, what kind of advice do you want to give that person? My advice for 21 year old Sarah is let's make a decision and stick with it. But I think that she, this woman in Florida and probably some other people out there are a little bit more like goal, goal oriented and have their ideas in mind. Yeah. Um, and I think you just, like we talked about earlier, you can't be scared of putting yourself out there and it's terrifying and it feels uncomfortable, but sooner or later, you're going to get somebody that says yes. And sooner or later, you're going to have somebody that's like, open to talk to you and and want to share their experience and want to help um, because it's what happened for all of us at some point um, one of the things that so i'm working with katherine Starr from greenwich and caitlin mcclain from holy names out in seattle and the three of us are kind of building this women's coaching networking group 
Um, and that's been really awesome, really awesome. It just kind of was born out of a conversation and turned into this huge group me we have with it, like over 120 people. I don't remember how many are on it now. Um, and we've done like a meetup at the Saratoga conference and there are wow. resources on there and just kind of providing a network that we didn't feel like was there. I don't know why I didn't know that existed. That's amazing. It's out there. Well, it's happening. I'm going to promote the hell out of that. That's great. Right. Yeah, I mean, you should send us the girl because we'll totally link her into that for sure. Well, of course I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that this yeah. afternoon. I mean, that's silly that I, I, I would have to do that. Um, so, okay. Wow. I did not know that. And I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's yeah. really great that you did that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I had, shucks. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I just, I wish I had known that about this group and I'm just in my head as a business person, I'm wondering how can we get that out there faster or on a bigger market? Cause you know, if I had known that six months ago when I met her, yeah. I would put her in touch with you right then and there. And, and maybe that could have, you know, sped things up. Um, yeah. We're definitely like, we want to keep it kind of grassrootsy right now and sure. see how it goes. And um, it's been just really like nice to have, you know, people that share your same goals and someone to ask, especially right now when we're all looking for resources to mm. keep our teams connected. And, um, you know, all of us have to think so far outside of the box we're used to that just having other people to bounce ideas off of has been awesome. I, I, I love that. I'm just, uh, uh the, the problem though, and I'm sorry to say this is your grassroots style is out the door. Um, <laughs> is it on here? And yeah, uh, I know. thousands of people will watch this or hear this. Oh, I know. And uh, now that I know about it, you're screwed because yeah, I'm just, it's over. <laughs> Doors open. Here we go. Or, yeah. You better tell them where get ready. So, Hey, um, nice transition. Another transition is uh, you're, a, you're a woman of leadership and of significant leadership. All right. Uh, Atlanta Juniors is a program everyone knows about, is recognized as a strong program, nationally contenders, over national champs, national champions in the, in the straight four. Uh, that Grace Landenfeld girl, man, holy cow. Yeah. Just she was awesome. Oh, 718, I think she went right for this past 715. 715. Yeah. Oh so she PR'd on that for sure. A junior? a junior. Even better for next year. So um, what, if any, hurdles or adversities or challenges have you faced in your position of leadership at Atlanta Juniors uh, over the last couple of years? I think that, um, I mean, I, it's still like a growing, growing sport in our city. So our internal struggles are just getting the word out for sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we always want to do more and be better and bring more kids to races and race with better placements. And it's not only about the placements, but we want to see the kids like have a something they can be proud of and something they can walk away and feel good about and then want to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's, that's just, you know, training and getting the kids excited and doing all the right stuff. Um, I'm, okay. So this is a very sensitive subject for, for, for some people. Um, the typical, executive director or coach or big of coach of programs is the six foot four man yeah. who sits in and owns everything. Sarah, I don't know how tall you are. My assumption not six four. Not six yeah. four. Like, you know, under that threshold, under that bar, 
Um, has that been a factor for you? Has that been a factor of getting respect or trust from individuals? I think at the beginning, um, we, you know, I, I think that everybody like means well, it's just, you don't know people until you know them. Um, and it's a lot easier to respect a guy who walks in, who commands a presence right away than somebody who doesn't. So I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just, I've been here long enough that, um, I have some more connections and, um, kind of run in the same circles. And, and that just helps that helps with building better connections that helps with mutual respect that helps with all those things. So um, like, for example, we have a Southeast youth committee. Um, that's nine people. It's four out of Florida and then five out of what we call the North half of the region. So all the other States, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi. And um, there's only one female on that committee and it's me. So wow. things like that, I always am surprised about, but um, I think it's so important to be in that role and show that it's doable and show that whoever's coming next, like we're ready. We're, we have a seat for you. Like, let's go. How many coaches do you have on your program that you're overseeing on a daily basis? We have 24 on staff. 24 uh, coaches on staff? Yeah. Some 24? Of those, 24. Some of those only coach one day a week. So it's not like everybody's there six days a week. Uh, we have a lot of coaches who have what we call quote unquote, a real job during the day. And so their work schedule doesn't make it possible for them to coach six days a week, or uh, maybe they work with our Saturday middle school program or something like that. So a lot of coaches that um, kind of piecemeal their schedule through the week. I, I thought you were going to say like 10, 24 yeah. is a huge number. <laughs> um, well, Okay. So with the 24 coaches, as you're the executive director, what are your things that you specifically focus on on a day-to-day -day basis, either with organizing the team or coaching the kids? Like what are your focuses? So right now, um, for the last year and a couple months, I've also been the women's head coach. Um, yeah. Okay. I, that wasn't always the way I was just an executive director for a long time and then uh, picked up the coaching also. So day-to-day, -day, there's a lot of the like pre-practice kind of organization. Like I have awesome assistant coaches, uh, but they, you know, they're there to coach and they're not there to like plan everything. So my job is to make sure they have the plan ahead of time and are ready to go. Um, and then honestly, like a day includes so many things. It includes communication with our, our community. So our parents and our rowers, communication, outside of our community um working we rent our our footprint from the city so we have to be a pretty good partner with them for sure um it'll include like boat maintenance not necessarily doing it anymore i do actually have somebody to help with that now which is great um but kind of fleet planning and and equipment ideas um a lot of like communicating with parents about things that need to happen mm. so yeah, so, a I mean, million different things. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was I was writing it down. As I tell you, I take a lot of notes here. And, yeah. Um, you're you wear just like most college or high school coaches, you wear 15 hats. And right. I think we all do for sure. Yeah, and and not one day is the same, right? Like, right. You have consistencies, like you know practices at four o'clock, but you don't know right. what you're gonna do the rest of the day. Um, rowing has sort of hit a plateau, in my opinion. 
it's growing, 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 and I think it's kind of plateaued, and I think it needs to make a direction. They, yeah. There needs to be a change in rowing in some fashion. What's your opinion on that? What's your opinion on the change that rowing needs to make, or even if you if you think rowing needs to make a change right now? I think that if we didn't make a change, we'd be fine. You can stay where we are. We can stay on the plateau. I don't know that it's going to fall off. Um, I think it'll just kind of stay. I think that if we as a like rowing community want it to be bigger and better, however we define that, we do have to change something. Um, and I think probably a big part of that is like how marketable we are to non-rowers and to you know, TV and internet and that kind of stuff and making things more accessible. So I think you kind of know what we're doing here at Rowers Choice. We're <laughs> yeah. trying to do that, right? Um, there is a gentleman that we're going to be announcing today that just broke his own world record. Um, he went 549. For he is like the most impressive kid on the erg right now. He's That's 16 awesome. years old. And yeah. um, he's like LeBron James, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm going to use that phrase today when I announce this. I'm going to say this is the Le LeBron James of rowing, and he's sort of like a hero. Now he's a he's he's a hero that has a very specific body type. He's six foot right. nine, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah, like, absolutely. How many athletes do you have like that? None. Not many, right? Yeah, none. Yeah. Um, it, I, personally, and maybe you can argue with me on this. I think our sport needs heroes. I think our sports need our sport needs people individuals that we look up to. And I'm gonna use Gracie Lendenfeld as a good example. I have a daughter, her name is also Grace, and she's six years old. And if my daughter saw Grace, your Grace, Gracie, and saw that this chick is going 715 and is driving the driving force of Atlanta and the other girls that you have on your team, right? Zoe, I think her name is, Yeah, right? Zoe went, same time. Same so. time, right? Like. Yeah. These are heroes to the younger athletes that say, wow, I could be like that. And you see the muscles and you see, you see the, the, the composure and the strength. Um, I think our sport needs heroes. And I, I like your opinion on that. Yeah, I think it, um, again, like bucks the whole tradition of the sport, you know. And so it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be um, difficult in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. I don't know that I'm like all in. It's not like I'm. I love Gracie, but I'm not going to go out there and write, you know, this huge article about her being number one because it's about all four of those girls that won and they couldn't have done it without all. There's a subtlety. So there's a subtlety. It's not the coach's job to do that. It's right. the yeah. media's job to do yeah. that, right? So it's, it's one thing for you to go out and promote it yourself, but I can do that and, yeah. and other people in the industry can do that. And I, and I respect your opinion. I respect that you say that it bucks the, the tradition. The tradition is it's the eight, the team, the four, the, like no right. one person is a standout. What we have learned and what we have researched ourselves is no sport will grow unless you have those standouts that people can look up to, to want to become right. Right. So when you see an eight go down, down the river, like my daughter has seen hundreds of boats go down the river over her, over her small young life. Yeah. She doesn't know anything about that. Right. But if we point out and say, I don't know, like just point to the athlete and say, well, she was in that boat or he was in that boat. Yeah. And this is the, like, this is all that he does or she does. It, it, it gives um, something to look up to and look forward to, right? And say, oh, I right. want to be like that. Um, 
So it's our opinion, at least where we stand right now, that um, the sport needs heroes, and we're going to be probably promoting that. Sweet. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think somebody has to, like, bust the tradition, you know? Somebody has to make it different if we want to change. And I think everybody, whether they're open to it or not, doesn't really matter because we need to change. Like, we need to keep growing and getting better. Well, I think you and I share a similarity, and that's the the willingness to fail. You know, yeah. like I, I look at your history of life, of rowing specifically, and and I love that you you decided in the very beginning that you hated rowing. And yeah. <laughs> you you know, in 1999, you're jumping in a boat, and now you've two sport athlete, and then okay, you fail in a sense. Uh, I have air quotes here for people listening to the podcast. Um, you know, you you get an injury. And you redirect it and say, "Oh, I'm not going to row. I'm just going. I'm, I'm now going to coach." And yeah. you know, you had a stint at Sammamish, and then you quit rowing, did a nanny, failed at that, moved on, and then and you, you found you found ways to find success. And that's a very important um, important thing to have. I mean, that, that's a very it's admirable. And now you're the you are the straight four national champion coach of. The junior women. I, I'm still, I, know. I still can't get over that. that I we can't believe it was that. such a small margin, too. That's. One I second. can't wait to give talk to Mike. Like that's honestly the best part of this. Uh, <laughs> I well, you know, uh, yeah. I think that he's a good. He's a. He's not a sore loser. At least no, I know that yeah. about Mike. Like he is. He's good at that. So, uh, Sarah, I have had a really great time talking today and learning your story, and I hope you've yeah. enjoyed it just as much as I have. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was great. Well, we're going to keep in touch for sure. And what we're also going to do is this Women's Coaching Network. We're going to start pushing that out. We're not going to promote it over social media. Yeah, no, we you're going good. To tell send them all uh, my way for sure. Good, we're going to do that. So listen, for, for those listening in and, and enjoying this Thrower's Choice podcast, Zoom class, I hope you learned learn a little thing about Sarah here. She, um, she went all over the country, starting in Virginia, all the way out to Sammamish and back into Atlanta an executive director, a female leader in our sport, someone willing to to talk to anybody who wants to ask questions or learn a little bit about how to become a leader of rowing. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed and thanks for watching. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.